Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. Place that you hear a sermon from. Had a couple of people tell me that this morning, and uh, I agree with them. You know, a normal, a normal avenue for sermon prep is listening to other sermons that have been preached on that subject. That, that's typical. It's quite difficult to find a sermon on Malachi 1. I can vouch for that. I did find a few. But uh, it was quite difficult to find that, to be able to listen to them and hear them. But I'll give you a little background on, on this book. Um, you know, uh, Brother Bob's been in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, they're building the wall around Jerusalem, post-exilic. So they've come back from the exile, they're rebuilding the wall. Ezra, before him, come back. Uh, King Cyrus gave him permission. He came back and he uh, rebuilt the temple and reestablished worship in the temple at Jerusalem. Malachi is right after those two things. So Ezra built the temple, got them worshiping. Nehemiah comes back, preached to them, got the wall. And then here comes Malachi at the very end of it all. I mean, he's the tip of the tail. <laughs> um, so here's the deal. Malachi is preaching to the same generation to the same people that Nehemiah is. The people that hear Nehemiah and know Nehemiah hear and know who Malachi is. So we're dealing with the same group, the same problems. And you remember Brother Bob talking about how they've been grumbling? Shake your head like this. Yeah, okay. So we remember that. So let me, before I start in the scripture, let me point out, the Israelites were in sort of a bad way at this particular time. Think about what they'd come through. They've been in exile. They've come through. Nebuchadnezzar whooped them, and he took a bunch of them. The king at Jerusalem did something not so smart, and Nebuchadnezzar come back and destroyed the temple and whooped them again. Took the rest of them. So then we have Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, we get down to Cyrus. Cyrus, king of Medes and Persians. Cyrus says, okay, Ezra, you take a group of people, go back and build your temple. Now, let me point something out. Why? Why did Cyrus know that the God of Israel was the God? Because of Daniel. Daniel did what God told him to do when God told him to do it and he held strong and therefore Cyrus knew who God was. Sent Ezra back to build the temple. Then again, he sent Nehemiah back to build the wall. Allowed it to happen. And now we complete post-exilic and we're down to Malachi. So the Israelites are in a bad way. The new temple that they built is so much smaller and so much less glorious than the original. Uh, 
they've been beaten down, beat and trotted under. The Israelites are grumbling. They're grumbling and they're upset. And they're starting to think that God no longer cares for them as his people. So, starting off, Malachi 1, verse 1. A pronouncement, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you. In the Hebrew, that is in perfect tense, meaning it continues on. I have loved you, I love you, I will still love you, says the Lord. Now, we're getting into a peculiar writing style that the Hebrew rabbis basically coined. It's, I'm going to make a statement, then I'm going to suppose the people are going to ask this question. Now, did the people actually put this in words? No, they were thinking it. This type of writing that Malachi does is, you. I mean, some of the Greek philosophers used it. I believe Socrates was one of them. Um, the rabbis used it. Paul uses it. In Romans, we call it the diatribe. It's a style of writing. It's, I'm going to make a statement, and then I'm going to suppose a question. I like it. It's very straightforward. It's very blunt. Y'all can't imagine why I would like that. Uh, <laughs> Verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you ask, how have you loved me? In other words, God tells Israel, I have loved you. And Israel looks at him and says, prove it. Who in the world has got the guts to say that to God? Alright, that's clue number one of where Israel is. This is where their mentality is right now. They look at them and say, how have you loved us? So God's going to give them an example. You guys remember Esau and Jacob? Shake your heads like this. Okay. Um, they were twins, remember? We're, we're, all, we're at the end of the Old Testament, Malachi. We're going back to the beginning. We're in Genesis now. Esau and Jacob. They were twins. Esau came out first. Jacob came out right behind him. As a matter of fact, I had a hold of him. So, this is the Lord's declaration. Even so, I loved Jacob, but hated Esau. I turned his mountains into wasteland and gave his inheritance to the desert jackals. Now, a lot of people are going to take this and say, Oh, this is proof that God chooses some and not others. That's called proof texting. That's making the Bible say what you want it to say. What this is, is an idiomatic comparison. Now that's one of those things in the English language that I know the word. And I'm going to try to explain it to you. <laughs> An idiomatic comparison is like saying, these two brothers are so different, they're like chalk and cheese. You know, chalk and cheese, they don't have nothing in common. Jacob and Esau had nothing in common. But he was using it as a comparison to compare the two nations. Israel sprang from the lineage of Jacob. Edom sprang from the lineage of Esau. The Lord had a covenant with Jacob. 
And he loved him in a special covenant way. He did not have a covenant with Esau because Esau cared so little about God and God's blessings that he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. So Esau made the choice to not care about God and therefore he and his offspring were not blessed. They did not get the covenant. Jacob did. So we're comparing Esau and Jacob to the nations of Israel and Edom. Israel was defeated. We just covered that. Israel was brought back. Just like God promised. Just like his covenant said. They were brought back. The temple was rebuilt. They're worshiping in the temple and they are rebuilding. Okay? They're back. They're doing it. Edom was not. Let's continue. Verse 4. Though Edom says, we have been devastated, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of armies says this, they may build, but I will demolish. They will be called a wicked country, and the people of the Lord has cursed forever. And the people of the Lord has cursed forever. Your own eyes will see this, and you yourselves will say the Lord is great even beyond the borders of Israel. Let me tell you about Edom. If you go on the back of your Bible where it's got those maps, you see Edom from Jerusalem is southeast. It's down there at the bottom of the sea. And it encompasses that whole section there. We know through history that a southern Arabian tribe called the Napatines come up and stomped Edom, ran them out of their homeland into the mountains to the south of them. <coughs> and we know that the Napatines held their homeland for generations, all the way up until the start of the Roman Empire. Then Rome come in and whooped the Napatines. And that land lay desolate for a long time. Currently, I looked it up, there's a couple small towns in that area. But it is by no means settled. <laughs> there is no large metropolis area there. So when they tried to rebuild, the Lord demolished. They were never brought back. They were not... They didn't get what Israel got. Israel got whooped, taught a lesson, and was brought back. Edom just got whooped. And they know this. This is this time frame. They know what's going on. Israel can look and say, yes, God brought us back. No, he did not bring back the Edomites. So God is proving, I have loved you. I still love you. I brought you back. But, the state of Israel was worse. The Lord is going to show them now their offenses. <laughs> this is not an easy part to hear. It's not an easy part to preach or read or to apply, but hang with me. Verse 6. A son honors his father, a servant his master. But if I am father, where is my honor? If I am master, 
Where is your fear of me, says the Lord of armies, or Lord of hosts, to your priest who despise my name? Yet you ask, here we go again. Your, your priest despised my name. Are you serious? How have we despised your name? You're sitting here accusing us. Well, how did we do that? We didn't do that. The Lord is talking to the nation of Israel, and they turn around and say, Nuh-uh. It's like we're dealing with a middle schooler here. Nuh-uh, I didn't do it. It wasn't my fault. But the Lord's one pointed out to him. He's calling them out here. By presenting defiled food on my altar. Middle school time again. How have we defiled you? We didn't do that. How have we done that? Now, real quick. Can we all agree the Israelites knew the Mosaic Law? Yeah. Most of us in here have probably seen or heard about the Chosen. We know that they, they did all that schooling, right? By the way, the Chosen's a TV show the rest of you are to look into. Um, have we defiled you, you ask? When you say the Lord's table is contemptible, When you present blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you present a lame or a sick animal, is it not wrong? Now, we can, we've got this, right? We've got this. We can go back and read all those laws. And we can, yeah, that was wrong. That was wrong. It's pretty clear. It says it outright. They're not supposed to do that. But they're doing it, apparently. Then the Lord looks at them and says, won't you take that to your governor? Now, I'm going to tell you what. Governor is a word that the Hebrew language borrowed from the Persians. And they're talking about it could be Zerubbabel. Heck, it could be Nehemiah. Bring it to your earthly government is what it means. You take these animals you're offering to me and offer them to your earthly government and see what, it, see what they do. Would he be pleased with you and show you favor? Asked the Lord of armies. And now plead for God's favor. Will he be gracious to us? Since this has come from your hands, will he show you favor? Asked the Lord. In other words, these animals that you're offering to God as a sacrifice, take them to your earthly government and see what he does. Will he bless you? Will he offer you any kind of favors? And yet, you're not willing to take them to an earthly governor, but you're willing to offer them to God, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, Yahweh. That's what you're offering and you're perfectly fine with it. It gets worse. 
Verse 10. I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would no longer kindle useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of armies. I will accept no offering from your hand. There ain't no need for me to talk about that. We know what that means, don't we? Verse 11. My name will be great among the nations from the rising of the sun to its setting. Incense and pure offerings will be presented in my name in every place because my name will be great among the nations. The nations. It does not say nation. It does not say my nation. It says nations. I get more respect from the pagans than I do my own people. But you, talking about Israel again, are profaning it. When you say the Lord's table is defiled and its products, its food is contemptible, (laughs) you also say, look, what a nuisance. And you scorn it. Man, not only were they offering what they know they shouldn't, but they were so tired and so just... Oh, over it. They were done. They were saying, look, it's such a nuisance to have to go and do this for God. And then they look at the meat that they offer, and they, they scour, they scorn. It's, the word there means, well, when I was reading it, I was imagining a horse grunting. They turned their nose up at it, at what they had offered their God. They turned their nose up at it and said, yeah, I ain't eating that. Oh, by the way, they, after the burnt offering, they, what they had offered for sacrifice, after the fat was burned and everything, they were to eat that for their evening meal. But it, they looked at it, turned their nose up at it, said, we're not eating that. And yet they'd offered it to God. Verse, the last half of 12. You bring stolen, lame, and sick animals. You bring this as an offering. I am to accept that from your hands, asked the Lord. Now, a little bit of Hebrew here. Word stolen. It doesn't mean they went and stole the animal. It literally means the animal has been taken by violence. It was killed by wild animals. The animal was taken by violence. Real quick, I'm going to flip back to Exodus, you know, where all this stuff's written. Exodus 22, verse 31. Be my holy people. You must not eat the meat of a mauled animal found in the field. Give it to the dogs. They were offering that to God. Yeah, it's fine for him. I mean, okay, here's what I'm getting in my head. I'm seeing a guy come up with an animal already dead. Guy behind him's got one that's blind. Guy behind him's got one that's got a disease. And they're bringing them up to the altar. And the priest are looking at them saying, yeah, it's fine. 
It's not just the people. It's the whole dadgone nation. Fourteen. The deceiver is cursed who has an acceptable male animal in his flock, makes a vow but sacrifices a defective animal to the Lord. Now let me tell you what they're doing here. They were making a vow to God, to, you know, like, hey, Lord, uh, I'll do this. Please get me out of something. Hey, Lord, I'll do this for you. Uh, you know what a vow is. Now the price for making a vow was to offer an unblemished male animal. If any of you have raised animals, you know that the male animals are quite pricey. Um, just because of what they do. So to make a vow to God, you are to offer an unblemished male animal. What they were really doing is offering up a sick or dead or diseased one and for this vow and keeping the choice of theirs to better their flock for breeding purposes instead of following the law that they were given instead of honoring God the way they were supposed to. Last half of 14. For I am a great king, says the Lord of armies, and my name will be feared among the nations. All right, so we've seen what Israel's doing. Now, let's take a look at ourselves in today's time. Israel went through exile where they didn't get to offer sacrifices. They didn't have a temple. They didn't get to go to church. Then they come back. God reestablishes them in their church. You would think common sense would say they are so happy to be back. We're going to get at it. We're going to make up for this lost time. Now, that didn't happen. This is the beginning of the end for Israel. This, is the, this leads us into the time before John the Baptist. We've got, depending on who you ask, three to four hundred years after Malachi to the New Testament. It goes from here into the Pharisaical, adding all of the laws, into the legalism, into everything that John the Baptist came and pointed out. And who did he lead the way for? Thank you. This is the beginning of the end for them. And this is just chapter 1. But where do, looking at ourselves, looking at us, we came through COVID. We were shut down. We got used to being shut down. Me included. I'm not, I out of this. We got used to being shut down. God brought us back. Application number two. 
Are we doing what God tells us to do, when He tells us to do it, how He tells us to do it? Or are we doing our own thing in God's name and saying, yeah, it's fine. What are we doing? Are we doing God's will the way God wants it done in the, at the time God wants it done at? Are we doing exactly what God said or are we doing our own thing and saying, yeah, it's fine? Our current time frame in America, we have gotten so used to having... We have it in every color can imagine, all kinds of translations, all kinds of shapes and sizes. Has it lost its reverence? Has it lost its importance? It's still God's Word. We're used to having it. We've had, no, nobody in this room has not had access to this all their life. Because we live, now if you didn't live in America all your life, okay, maybe not. But if you did, this has never been outlawed. It, you could walk in Walmart and get one. You, shoot, you probably find one at Dollar General. They got everything else. But I'm saying we are used to having this. Not only are we used to having this, we're used to having God's spokesman teach it to us. And we're used to being able to meet whenever we want in God's name. All these privileges... Sometimes we can take it for granted. Sometimes we can, well, this is what I've done all my life. It's just the way it is. Are we offering to God what God asks us to? Or are we do, giving Him what we feel like giving Him and saying, oh, that'll be okay? That is a question only you can answer. Are we actually being an example of Christ or are we just living in a dream? When we go out to eat, are we acting like we're a Christian? Because God told us to. When we go to work, when we leave this building, or are we just coming to church so we can tell people we came to church and say, and when anybody questions us, we say, oh, I go to Grace. Yeah, I'm good. Same thing they were doing in Israel. Oh, I'm an Israelite. I'm good. God's chosen people. Woo! Even God's chosen people get called out. What makes you think He ain't going to call us out? Do we repent? Do we need to repent and start fresh? First off... Do we just come to church and tell people we come to church so nobody will bother us about are you a Christian or not? Say, hey, have you ever accepted Jesus as your Lord? Oh, I go to, I go to church every Sunday. Sit there with my family. I'm fine. That ain't the way things work. That's not how it goes. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? That's the question. I don't care 
if you go to the biggest church the SBC has ever seen, you ain't going to get very far. God asks us to accept His gift. And once we do, He says, act like it. Are we giving God what He asks for? Or are we doing the bare minimum to get by? Now, I'm coming into a time of invitation. There's two questions I want you to dwell on. Are you doing what God needs you to do? If you're not, if you need to come and rededicate your life, I'll be here. If you need to come and you realize, hey, I've never actually asked God to be my Savior. That's easily handled. Please come forward. We'll talk about it. It don't take long. But those of you that are Christian, search yourself. Am I doing what God told me to do or am I doing just what I feel like doing? Where am I with God? Have I actually witnessed to the people He's told me to witness to? Have I acted it out even when I don't think there's nobody around that knows me? Somebody's always listening. Am I actually talking the way I should talk? Am I doing the things He's asked me to do? Or am I just getting by? Have I become numb to the fact that I have the Bible and I have church I can go to, I can call people at any time? Have I become numb to that? That's it for me. I'm going to step down. Robert's going to come and sing for us. I encourage you that if, if you need to set something right with God, do it. All right, pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for what you've given us. Lord, thank you so much for the people that you've allowed to be here that your faithful have come to be able to hear your word. Lord, please be with those who could not be with us, that, that they are traveling or something else has held them back, whether it be health, whether it be anything. Please be with them and guide them. Please be with us and guide us as we go out to be your people amongst a world who is not yet your people. Please be with the hearts and minds of everybody here that they can apply what they have learned today. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.